balls. They're a symbol of strength, yet they're the weakest and most vulnerable part of the human body. They represent masculinity, and yet, with a well-placed kick or even a firm poke, the feeblest child can reduce a muscle-bound jock to a squirming heap on the floor. If we're cowardly, we're told to grow some. If we're brave, we're said to have huge ones. If it's cold, they're liable to fall off, even if you're a brass monkey. If we're in trouble, someone will threaten to break them. If we have to work hard, we might very well bust them. If we're in somebody's thrall, then they've got us by them. Balls are a euphemism for something useless and mendacious, unless they belong to a dog, in which case, for some unfathomable reason, they are the best thing ever. Now, for my money, dogs' bollocks are some of the least appealing bollocks out there, and given how awful bollocks are in general, that's really saying something. They are possibly the least attractive external body part, resembling two kiwi fruits bulging in a hairy shopping bag. They're not even symmetrical, and yet, even in this age of plastic surgery, hardly anyone elects to have the things snipped off to make their undercarriage more aesthetically pleasing. They are often neglected and ignored, very much the backing singers in the band that is the male genitalia, overshadowed by the charismatic frontman. They're the equivalent of the two blokes who stand at the back in East 17 making weird shapes with their hands. I'm doing it now, I hope you are too. Even those of us who have them don't think about them too often unless they are in peril. Yet there, hanging between the legs of roughly 50% of the human beings on the planet, and let's not forget all the animals, birds and fish that have them too, are one or two, or occasionally more, of the most magical, almost fantastical, godlike genesis machines on the planet, spewing out potential new lives at an improbable rate. A pair of functioning human testes in their prime produce 1,500 sperm every second of the day. That's something like 525 billion sperm cells churned out of those weird, gristly clumps of tubules in a human lifetime an estimated 21.5 gallons of semen, enough to fill half a bath. Uh, that's according to Andrew Fiusi. How much cum do you throw away over the course of a lifetime from www.melmagazine.com? Check it out, it's a quite a fun article. If half a bath is a bit of a letdown for a lifetime of spunk production, remember that, with the help of an enthusiastic and determined friend, you could fill your tub to the brim. Although, if you're planning to have a bath in your lifetime's worth of jizz, you might want to be careful about filling the thing that high. Remember the work of Archimedes. In some ways, it's better to luxuriate in half a bath of gametes than to send a volume equivalent to your own mass spilling out on the bathroom floor. 525 billion sperm. That is a lot of potential people. Given that most men will father somewhere between zero and three children in their lifetimes, there's a huge volume of sex mess going to waste. If God is serious about every sperm being sacred, every man who has ever lived is in an awful lot of trouble. Though to be fair, it's God who's made us have so much of the stuff, so this is, at the very least, entrapment. Even someone like Genghis Khan, who allegedly fathered thousands of children and to whom we are all almost certainly related, wasted essentially the same number of Tadger tadpoles as any other man in percentage terms. If there was only one testicle in the universe producing this amount of latent life, it would be worshipped as a god, or at least appear in an episode of Star Trek shooting terrifying giant space fish at Captain Kirk, who I think might secretly like that. Yet this miraculous gobbing globule is so commonplace it hangs between the legs of approximately 4 billion living humans, as well as having been possessed by maybe another 50 billion dead ones. Even if you're the only Kahona's owner in the room, you usually have two of the things. 
Their ubiquity makes them ordinary and the willingness of most owners to liberally share the contents of their testes means there is never any danger of scarcity. Consequently, rather than being revered, this pair of hairy deities in our pants are regarded as comical and ridiculous, like a slightly less wrinkly version of the Chuckle Brothers. As if the production of 130 million spermatozoa isn't enough for you, these great balls of fire also produce testosterone, assisting the development of the genitals, firing up the process of puberty and prompting muscle and bone growth, as well as creating libido and the ability to maintain erections. That's some serious multitasking, which, even on a non-divine level, we should be grateful for. For me, though, the most remarkable fact about the McSquirter twins, that's a euphemism that sadly will be lost on anyone who didn't watch the British TV show Record Breakers in the 1970s, is that if they are transplanted from one person to another, they will continue to manufacture the sperm of the original owner. For this reason, testicle transplants are very rare indeed and are only carried out in extraordinary circumstances between identical twins to avoid the moral quandary of somebody fathering another person's child. 